Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Able Voices Podcast. I'm Dr. Rhoda Bernard, Founding Managing Director of the Berkeley Institute for Arts, Education, and Special Needs, and I am proud to present this podcast featuring disabled artists and arts educators. We are inviting artists with disabilities to be guest hosts for the Able Voices Podcast. Today, you'll meet our next guest host, Precious Perez. Precious is a classically trained pop, R&B, and Latin vocalist, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist with a double bachelor's degree in music education and vocal performance from Berklee College of Music. She is also a published children's author. Precious is blind. Her goal is to make a difference through doing what she loves and showing the world that blind people are as capable as everyone else. She hopes to inspire future generations to pursue their dreams and be successful in the same way that she has, because she knows that anything is possible and giving up is never an option. Precious aims to be the first blind Latina artist at the forefront of the Latin music industry. She is confident that she can lead, she can achieve, and she can be the one who alters the way people see. Welcome, Precious. We're delighted to have you as our next guest host of the Able Voices podcast. Thanks so much. It's wonderful to be here. I'd like to start off by asking you to tell us your story as a musician. How did you start as a musician and how did you get to where you are today? So the first memory I have of wanting to be in music and be a singer um, was when I was six years old. Someone gifted me a Barbie, pink little Barbie karaoke machine, and I had little cassette tapes and a little microphone, and I would just record myself singing along to the radio, and I was painfully shy back then as a kid, so I didn't really do it in front of people, and then when I started going to music classes in elementary school, I became involved in the chorus, and then through middle school, I was involved in talent shows and various little school performances. And it wasn't until high school um, where I got scholarship through the Handel and Haydn Society to participate in a choral ensemble and also get four years of private lessons at NEC that I really um, started formal training. And mm-hmm. I started songwriting, I would say, probably my first good song was in eighth grade. I wrote like two songs before then, but they weren't very solid, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) kind of getting everything started. Um, And then I ended up going to Berkeley and I released my first album during my freshman year at Berkeley in 2016. So it's been a progression for sure. Absolutely. What a wonderful story starting when you were so young. That's amazing. Um, Next, I'd like you to tell us about your experiences as a blind musician and music educator. How has your disability shaped who you are and what you do? So my disability is part of me. It's part of my advocacy and it's in everything that I do. So as a blind musician, um, I learned how to read braille music, but I also do a lot by ear and that's how I mostly pick things up. And Um, I have alternative techniques for doing certain things as a teacher. So I listen out very carefully for what the children are doing. I um, have a strategy where in my own classroom, when I have my own classroom, I will say, you know, say your name before you speak so that I know it's you. Um, 
there are, you know, it's, it's hard for people to fathom, like, how does a blind person keep children safe? And how does a blind person teach? Well, that's something that people can't fathom because they're not in the situation. And sure. I have a lot of alternative techniques that I use to be able to make sure that I keep the children safe. And I also um, give them the education that they deserve. So it's been interesting having to prove myself in those spaces. Um, because, you know, it's going to continue to be a battle and I'm sure I'm going to continue to face discrimination. Of, oh, well, how are you going to do X, Y, and Z versus, um, you know, you're qualified and here's the job. So um, that's definitely going to be an interesting hurdle. And, you know, as a blind educator, that's something that I'm prepared to confront. But, you know, there's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad that comes along with this territory and with being a trailblazer. So um, it's it's definitely something that um, I continue to work through. Wow. You really are blazing so many trails. Uh, I would love to hear a little bit more. You spoke about um, that you have strategies that you use, that you've adapted for your teaching. Can you just tell us, I mean, you spoke about one, you know, use your name when you speak. I get that. Can you give us another one or two of these strategies that you've developed? Absolutely. So right now I teach in a part-time setting. So I go into the classrooms and the classroom teachers are still there because um, music is treated differently than other specialists. So the teachers are still in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, and I go in and I do music with the students. And so I pick up on different things such as like when they're getting a little too noisy, um, if they're running around or if I hear them not actively singing or participating, I know that they aren't focused. So I have a way to bring them back to center and, you know, I have different attention grabbing, um, for example, like I'll sing a melody and just go, and then they have to respond and they know that that's how they bring their attention back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if they are not able to do all of the active activities because they have too much energy, I will say, okay, friends, let's sit down and I'll play some quiet music for them um, and just have them take some deep breaths. That way they can get their energy back under control. Sometimes that happens because, you know, I go in on Fridays and Fridays <laughs> are a different type of energy. Um, so things like that to be able to realize when they are running around and listening for their little feet and where they're placed in the room. Are they moving around the room, um, you know, when they sit in their seats and when they stand up or when they're on the rug, they're all in front of me. Like I pay very close attention with what I'm hearing and I can hear based on the sounds that I'm hearing, what they're doing and where they are and where they're located. So all of these different things factor into how I'm able to do it without having to see them. Um, and it's definitely uh, something I've had a lot of practice with. I, you know, I have younger siblings. I have a lot of like younger cousins and things. I've grown up around children and watching children. Um, and so it's something I'm pretty comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Um and it's something that I've noticed that a lot of sighted people and, um, you know, a lot of administrators and things just can't understand it and, you know, think that I need somebody there with me or that I can't possibly do it without them. Um, and so that's something I've definitely dealt with. Um, but I had a wonderful 
uh, amazing mentor when I was student teaching, and I learned so, so much from her. Um, and she helped me devise some of these strategies. Like when you hear this happening, that's how you know they're doing, uh, you know, they're running around the room. If you hear there's too much noise and they're not singing, that's how you know they're not paying attention. When they get like this, this is how you bring them back to center and things like that, um, that I'm just paying more attention to. You know, people say like, your senses are heightened. Well, uh, it's because I use them more. It's not necessarily because they are making up for lack of sight. It's that I don't have sight, so I'm using my other senses. Like if somebody were to put on a blindfold and just sit there and listen, you'd hear more and and be able to identify more than you think. Thank you for that. Um, Two things that you said that I just want to highlight that I think are really important about shattering misconceptions. The first is shattering people's misconceptions about what a blind teacher can and can't do. And you're doing that. And I think that's a really powerful contribution that you're making and a really powerful trail that you're blazing. The other misconception that you are shattering in in what you spoke about, there is definitely, and I've seen this, a misconception that if someone has any kind of limitation to one sense, that their other senses must be somehow tighten their brain rewired and it's they've got heightened this or heightened that. And I like the way you described it. It's not that. It's that you're using the other senses in your particular case differently than someone who has all of their senses available to them would use them. Um, I think that's something people don't understand. So I really appreciate your clarifying and spelling that out and um, helping us to understand that, Precious. That's awesome. Um, I understand that you have a bit of music that you're going to share with us. Can you tell us about the first excerpt that we're going to hear? Absolutely. So the first piece um, is called Agua de Valencia. It's a um, the title track off of my 2019 EP. And it really started as a an idea that I had. Um, there's this drink in Valencia that's really, really good. Um, and I loved it. And I was like, I'm going to make a song about this. <laughs> and it's actually comparing my fiance to this drink. Um, huh. And it's a very fun, upbeat song. It combines, you know, Valencia's influence um, when I was studying abroad there with, you know, my Puerto Rican roots. And it kind of brings in like the salsa aspect, the flamenco, the reggaeton, all of it kind of combines together into this one song. Um, and it's definitely... Uh, it grew from an idea that I had into a huge collaboration with so many different friends and there's a music video and all of these different things that happened as a result. So Mm. it's definitely one of my favorites and um, I'm really excited for more people to hear it. So that sounds really amazing. What's the name? What's the name of the song? It's called Agua de Valencia. And here we go. Please listen to an excerpt from Agua de Valencia. La misma cantidad de tiempo es cuánto tiempo te amo. Me enamoré de mi mejor amigo. Esta bebida me vuelta a tiene mi corazón. Agua de Valencia, eres mi preferencia. Cada momento contigo se siente como la luna de mes. Agua de Valencia, agua de Valencia. Tú eres mi preferencia 
Oh, that was awesome, Precious. Thank you. Um, these days, you are both a performer and a teacher. You spoke a little bit about your teaching, but I think folks would like to know about um, your work as a performer and a teacher today. What are some of the things that you're working on? Absolutely. So I am the membership chair of a new coalition called RAMPT, Recording Artists and Music Professionals with Disabilities. And um, it's headed by Lachi, an award-winning recording artist and co-founder Galen Lee. Mm-hmm. And um, our mission essentially is to elevate disability culture and to make the music industry more accessible. We promote inclusion and we focus on really getting into all of these spaces and foundationally making this work happen, making this change happen in order to ensure that musicians with disabilities are respected not only as competent professionals, but as experts and consultants Mm. for inclusion and for full accessibility of venues, accessibility of award shows, accessibility of all kinds of different things. So that's our main focus. Um, We are elevating each other and the movement and musicians with disabilities overall. And so that's something I'm putting a lot of time into. We've had features in Forbes, the New York Times, Billboard, all these different um, publications, which is really, really exciting. And um, I'm just very grateful to have found uh, a spot where I can utilize my advocacy and my passions to be able to further this uh, very crucial and important necessary movement. So that's something I'm taking part of as an artist and an advocate. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'm also doing um, gigs whenever I receive requests for, you know, whether it be ukulele lessons or whether it be a performance, a virtual performance, in-person performance. I'm participating in a festival in May called the PEM Prize. Um, mm-hmm. And it's in Salem. It's at the Peabody Essex Museum. And it's um, all based around kind of different performing styles and street performing, different artists and things like that. So that's really exciting. Um, I've never been in any kind of festival, not even small scale. So this is really exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm doing a couple of different projects right now. Um, I just released a new cover um, of a Tori Kelly piece. And it's um, really special to me. I really love that song. So that came out on Easter Sunday. Wow, and, you mean just released? Like, yeah, yeah, it's very new. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've got ideas for my next Latin album. Um, no new material yet, but you know, the creative juices are always flowing. Uh, I'm just kind of taking what comes with every day. I'm, I'm just very grateful and I feel very blessed to be a part of all of this and just get to um, use my art to do some important work to better, you know, the world and the lives of other musicians that are coming after me. Absolutely. And I see you doing that in so many different ways, Precious, through your music, through Ramped, which is an organization I am very familiar with through Galen. I'm on your newsletter and I'm amazed at what the organization is doing already. But also in your teaching, right, you're affecting so many people and giving them ideas of what their future can be. I think that's really incredible. Um, I know you have a second piece of music that you're going to share with us today. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Absolutely. So this second piece I released in October of 2021, and it's one that kind of came to me in a dream. I woke up with part of the verse in my head, and I was like, wait, I don't really rap, but I guess we're going to do it. <laughs> so um, this kind of has a little bit of hip-hop influence. Um, there's a lot of references to different rappers and different um, hip-hop legends throughout it. So I, you know, use a lot of references that you have to listen to it a few times to really um, identify, you know, there's like Biz Marquee, Biggie Smalls, uh, there's a Tupac quote in there. There's all kinds of different references, wow. um, musicians that I grew up listening to and, and that I really look up to in that genre. So it's me rapping and also singing. And um, it was also inspired by, um, so there's at the end of the song, there is a quote from the Velveteen Rabbit that I'm just reading over the music. Um, and the song is called Real is Rare. And for me, that kind of just really resonates as it's really hard to find genuine authenticity in people and in the world. Oh, yes. Um, and so, you know, but the line that's probably one of my favorites is real is rare and rare looks good on me. Um, because, you know, I've, I've had a lot of moments in my life where I felt like alone and like um, misunderstood or just um, other. But. I've realized over the years that there's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, that's something to be embraced. So. Wow. Yeah. Um, so let's hear a little bit of real is rare. If I want to make it, I got to pick and choose between the parts of me that make up all my different hues. Well, I won't sacrifice integrity for fortune and fame. My authenticity don't lend itself to playing these games. So I am whatever you say I am. I won't lose myself just because the world won't play my jams. I'm only going where I am meant to rock. Pushing forward while the Lord helps guide my path to the top. Sometimes I wanna drive the highway. Can't forget the park without the smoke. Find out who's really going my way. Would you forget whoa? But I know life is never quite that simple. But real is rare, real is good on me. I can't believe that came to you in a dream, precious. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. Um, what advice would you give to musicians with disabilities? The advice that I would give uh, to musicians with disabilities is to keep going. It's hard and you're going to encounter different barriers, different obstacles, depending on what you're dealing with and who you're dealing with. But if it's your passion and it's your dream, you're not only affecting your own future and being able to get where you want to go, but you're paving the way for so many others like you. And so I would say, keep going and remember that you're not alone. Wow. Really important advice. Um, thank you for that. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Precious, for taking the time to speak with us today. We are really looking forward to the upcoming episodes where you will be interviewing artists with disabilities. Able Voices is a production of the Berkeley Institute for Arts, Education, and Special Needs, led by me, Dr. Rhoda Bernard, the founding managing director. It is produced by Daniel Martinez del Campo. Intro music is by Kai Levin, and our closing song is by Sebastian Batista. 
Kai and Sebastian are students in the Arts Education Programs at the Berkeley Institute for Arts Education and Special Needs. If you would like to learn more about our work, find us online at berkeley.edu slash B-I-A-E-S-N or email B-I-A-E-S-N at berkeley, that's L-E-E dot E-D-U.